Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. In the last few weeks, we have been looking at the part of ourselves that are sometimes hidden. So we started with the blind spot behaviours. They're the behaviours that you don't see in yourself, but others might see. This led us into looking at the shadow side of us, where our little blind spots like to hang out, which took us all the way to identifying the shadow as the big old ego. Now, ego is a word that is quite polarising because it's really, it has a really negative connotation. And don't get me wrong, it seriously is a pain in the ass sometimes. But ego can also be our friend. It's about learning to tame it, not smash it, or let it run absolutely rampant. So ego work is something that is highly recommended to do within a group, simply because the nature of the ego is that other people see it more quickly. But what I love about group work is that what you see in others is a reflection of something you also need to look at in yourself, a bit like a mirror. So you end up helping each other move through a space more quickly. One of the things that we found that can inhibit that sort of work is not wanting to change because we're comfortable. And you know what? Change isn't. We really are creatures of habit. And while sometimes habit is good, sometimes it's not. You will see this in simple things like nail biting. For the nail biters out there, it's actually quite comforting when you're biting nails. But there's a part of you that knows it's not good. It's not a good habit for you. So while resistance and lizard brain, which is what was used to describe our resistance to change, you know, it still doesn't show us where the underlying message is coming from. It's what the uber cool kids on socials can call it, lizard and um, lizard brain and resistance. But nobody ever comes to me and says, I really want help with my lizard brain. What they do tell me is this, I am filled with self-doubt. Now this people get. You can almost hear a collective sigh of understanding. Yep, I get it. And do you know what? I actually really do get it. And it's funny because I was talking to people today about this. We all create an image that we want to portray. Now, the image that I've tried to create is not actually what people see all of the time. Don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to create an image that was professional but relatable, down-to-earth, simple, honest, Fun. And I, you know, I've pretty much created that. However, an unintended part of that image seems to also have sent a message somewhere that I'm super confident and got my shit together. Now, I'm definitely all of those things, but not all of the time, I can tell you. And I am actually filled with self doubt a lot of the time. There are a few family and friends scattered through this group and they will know that what I'm saying is true. But a lot of people say to me, what? No, I would never have guessed that. Well, I suppose that's the point of an image, isn't it? But what it leaves me sometimes is exactly like everyone else, confused, stuck and anxious. 
I can't pinpoint exactly where my chronic self-doubt came from, but what I do know is that there's a part of me that would probably actually cease to exist without it because it is an absolute driver for me. I have managed to harness my self-doubt and turn it into a ball of energy that pushes me rather than drowns me. So is there a balance point between believing in yourself without reason and not believing in yourself at all? And where does self-doubt come from? The old self word, what a tricky little bugger. There's no part of the brain called the self spot. So we can't just look at that and make a series of determinations. Our entire brain works together to create a sense of self. There isn't just one thing we can point to to explain self-doubt. What we do know is this, we all experience it through our lives for various reasons and for some of us experience chronic self-doubt. So self-doubt is kind of like the opposite of what is known as self-efficacy. So let me translate that for you. It's just a fancy word for self-belief. That's the belief that you can successfully use your skills and abilities to achieve a desired result. And this is both really cool and what often causes the beginning of self-doubt. Why? Because when you notice you don't have something, instead of looking in and asking, what do I have? We tend to look out and start looking at what everyone else has and what we don't. Hello spiral, self-doubt, comparison, feel like shit, eat, drink, shop, you can add in whatever you like there, argue with a significant other, feel like shit some more, fight more, and eventually people make an appointment to see me. Like I said, happy people don't come to pay me for some reason to tell me that they're happy. Lucky I love conflict and looking at other people's is even better. So I have always believed that self-doubt was due to low self-esteem, but that's actually not the case. People with perfectly good self-esteem can experience self-doubt. Hello, I'm living proof of that. For at least two reasons. I'm sure there are a ton more, but in the essence of the KISS method, let's keep it simple. First, we all have a fear of failure somewhere. Ah, yes, trusty fear of failure. I knew you would pop up, you sneaky son of a bitch. For some of us, fear of failure is so strong that we engage in self-protective behaviour, like self-handicapping. It's pretty much the new word for self-sabotage. So when we sabotage ourselves, we are trying to put as much distance as possible between ourselves and possible failures. So let me repeat that. Possible failures. So to make that really simple, you are acting on a thought of a negative outcome, not the reality of one. So people can sabotage their performance by procrastinating or limiting how much effort they put in. And while this kind of behavior may limit exposure to failure, it also increases self-doubt and it starts this really awful hamster wheel cycle. Secondly, it's our inability to express our desired self. What? People think that self-doubt comes from dissatisfaction with who we are right now. But recent research has called that presumption into question. 
Instead, they believe it comes from a disconnect we feel from our desired or general genuine self, even our true self. It's the self that we want. It's the self that has the dream of living the life that they want. So all of us have what is known as a possible self and a desired self. So possible self is the mental representation of all your hopes and fears. It could be absolutely anything. This is the imagination of what we want our life to be. The desired self, now, these are realistic goals that you can actually see yourself achieving. Your desired self provides you with powerful incentives to pursue future opportunities and obtain goals. What the researchers found was that people with a strong desired self had less self-doubt. Their actions were highly organised, energised and guided by the goals that they wished to achieve. This gave those individuals in the study the power to sustain their confidence over time, even though there was some doubt present. Individuals who lacked the strong desired self were unable to sustain or believe that they pretend, um, possess the ability to achieve their goals. That, my friends, is self-doubt. That isn't to say that we don't have strong desired self at our core. It just means that sometimes we have difficulty articulating those feelings into goal-directed behaviours. Now, there's really good news about this because you can overcome it. I have read a crap ton of articles about how to banish self-doubt how to be rid of it from your life for good. But what I've come to learn is exactly this. You're never going to banish self-doubt for good. And any article that tells you that is lying to you. What you can do is get your self-doubt into check. Like any feeling or emotion we have, you never want to feel all one way or another. There has to be balance. So for a long time, people assumed that the more confidence you had meant better performance. But that wasn't right either. Too much self-confidence can result in a lack of effort and can make you prone to making mistakes. So that's where some self-doubt can be a good thing. Having a little self-doubt can increase how much effort you are willing to, to put in in order to achieve your goal. So how do we find a balance between having some self-doubt and being completely overwrought with it? Well, like I said at the beginning, I found a way to use self-doubt to motivate. So I used to be guilty of believing that I had to listen to every whim of my mind, to each voice inside my head. It was crazy town in there sometimes, but that's just not true. Just because we think it doesn't make it true. However, if I let those thoughts go unchecked, that's when my self-doubt begins to have negative consequences. And this is what I work with in, uh, with people in session. If you've been a client of mine, you're going you're gonna to always hear me go, what's in your head? We've got to get out what's in your head because I've got to know what's in there. So it's making sure that those thoughts that are running around in there aren't left unchecked. And the, sometimes the best way to do that is write them down and check them off. You'll notice straight away whether they're going to make sense to you. And half the time you'll get through it and go, and I can't even believe I thought that. Straight away, you've checked it. Now, many creative people use their self-doubt to energise them. Some even believe that without it, they wouldn't be able to create anything at all. So if you think about last week's session, what I talked about was creativity. The ability to create what you want 
Self-doubt is going to creep in because when it's something new, guess how it feels? Uncomfortable. We don't like it. But you know what? There's a saying that says, the greater the artist, the greater the doubt. So there's a kind of energy that self-doubt can give people. And, and it gives me, in a way, it's really about acknowledging the self-doubt in your head, admitting that it exists, and then moving on with your goals anyway. And therein lies the piece of gold. You must have a goal and a plan, but keep it realistic, achievable, attainable. Let me translate that. Start simple, keep it small, be honest with your time frame. Because often one of those things is completely out of whack and we set ourselves up to fail. And then we start the little hamster wheel again. All right, now, self-doubters spend an enormous amount of time thinking about self-doubt. No shit, Sherlock. We seem to want to know definitely what our strengths and weaknesses are because we assume that this will make us better somehow. This will decrease our likelihood of failure. But that's how self-doubt perpetuates itself. That's what keeps it going in that loop. At some point, you've got to ask yourself what it's worth to you. What is your self-doubt costing you and is the price too high? Is it worse to try and fail or to not try at all? This is what you must come to terms with. So there comes a time when you have to stop thinking and start doing You've got to extend yourself beyond your comfort zone for a little bit. If self-doubt is a cycle, then it's one that can be broken. You break it by doing something, by taking clear and directed action for yourself. You know, I don't buy into the believe in yourself 100% message. And you can do anything because that's just not real either. We've all watched Idol or The Voice and seen that shit in action and ask, why didn't somebody tell them that they can't sing? We don't need to be afraid of a little bit of self-doubt, just of it overtaking you, of it dictating your actions instead of the other way around. You don't need to worry about eradicating self-doubt. All you have to do is keep it in check. It's like putting a little leash on it. So how does this fit with ego? Well, when you start to feel uneasy or your stomach drops with fear, that's your ego calling you to comfort by checking your phone or hitting the snooze button or having another drink. This is the underlying message, but instead of listening to the call of ego, take a deep breath and calm your nerves. That's the self-doubt then. Then your self-doubt's gonna kick in and it's gonna say, no, 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 we wanna go back to comfort and I wanna go, no, no, we don't wanna go back to comfort. Be mindful of your inner dialogue. Start to question yourself rather than doubt yourself and ask yourself, is this true for me right now? This is how our beliefs are formed and, and it's the basis of our topic next week. Weirdly, one of the most helpful things, and I mentioned this a minute ago, is to write down the worst case scenarios for anything you are afraid of or um, what you're... Uh, Sorry, let me say that again. Anything you are afraid to do or change about yourself, okay? So I know, you. I hear you asking, is she crazy? But once you can actually visualize on paper your excuses and your worst fears, you might see that there's not as much to be afraid of at all. And this will actually allow you to chunk it down and see a pathway. 
then you are free to act. So, like I said, next week, we are actually looking at some of our beliefs and how they affect our behaviours and how they affect something much more important to us, which is often the biggest conflict people have, and that's values. So what we start to find is that when we start to believe something about ourselves, well, we just believe it. We believe it until something else comes into our vision that makes us question that belief. That's what we call self-doubt. Now, if we've believed something for such a long time and then we start to question it, we go up and down for a little while. That's what we would call an internal conflict. It's like a little bit of a war that goes on inside. It's often one of the things that brings people to me. And I always go, gee, I wonder what's happened to them because they've either not been aware of a value breach that has happened within them or something has happened and they have a new set of values that they haven't realised have changed because values change, because beliefs change. And there is a lot of stuff going on in our world today. COVID's changed a lot of things for people where we start to question all the stuff we were believing. And so there's a lot of people who are actually coming in to see me going, I don't know what's happening to me. And there will be a lot more to come because things have changed. An event like this changes people. And with change like that comes changes both internally and externally.